0: Welcome to the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs show, a safe place for women to heal and grow, where we discover our value, share our tears as we go through the hard times and rise up as we become empowered to meet our challenges head on. Today's episode is a cautionary tale and to begin with I would just like to caution listeners that there will be things in this episode in the retelling of a story which is very graphic, which may trigger you. If you are feeling triggered at any point in this interview, please stop listening. I'm very grateful to James Brunson, my guest today, for coming on and retelling a story about his experience with a jealous ex-partner just a caution if you feel unsafe at any time please stop listening you can come back anytime you are in a safe place to listen to the rest of the podcast your safety is the most important thing to consider Today's episode is proudly brought to you by the How to Increase Your Self-Worth to Increase Your Net Worth online workshop. This workshop is here to help anyone who is healing their life after being hurt, to rediscover the treasures that lie within themselves and to help them find their feet again, to be able to move confidently in the direction of a rich and rewarding life to find out more to manifest an abundant life and to sign up for the next workshop go to Sandy's keys to success at sandyj.com.au hello James and welcome to the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs podcast I'm so happy that you've agreed to come on as my guest today And I would like to just start by just asking you to introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about your story, I suppose, because the reason that you're here today is because you've had some lived experience with um, domestic abuse and you're here to help share your story in the hope that it will help somebody else who is out there listening to this so well thank you
1: thank you for inviting me on sandy i'm uh, really pleased to be here if i can help in any way that would be fantastic if my story can sort of somehow you know get some shared experiences across that would be you know ideal because at least we can get something you know positive out of happening from you know something that is quite obviously serious and you know let's be fair um you know very frightening and uh, upsetting to sort of many people so um it, you know I, i'm very happy to obviously you know go into a little bit about my life and you know again my my name's James as you know as you know you've introduced me so uh, I run an internet company so I've been doing that for about 20 years um and really you know my my story sort of begins where I was um with a relationship with a girl and uh unfortunately we felt we were being stalked so I was on a walk with her on a beach and uh we were walking the dog so we we just felt we were being watched so at that time um her phone rang so um you know she, she was very you know I, I, I won't name name her name but uh, you know she was very upset that she felt she was being tracked by her ex uh, her ex-partner So um, literally we went back, we took the dogs back to her house and I literally thought well this is this is scary this is quite frightening um you know what what's sort of going to happen so uh the phone rings and he says he's coming around to the the property and um you know at that point you know she had left him around about six months previously so I thought the relationship had ended and so that's why we were sort of going out we were dating so you know we felt things were kind of above board there was nothing you know sinister going on so um at that point um we were quite frightened obviously someone was 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 watching us and uh so uh she said go into the back go into the uh you know go into the the garden and and uh you know let's let's just see what happens he's coming over so I go into the back garden I I answer some emails and stuff it's a lovely sunny day and um unfortunately she she does invite him in and after a few after probably around about 20 minutes she makes a very strange decision and invites me back into the house and says meet him he's fine with everything there's no problem you know he wants to see you he wants to move on with his life so so to cut a long story short literally we we meet up it's very awkward uh, I have a, an argument with her that night and say, look, why did you, you sort of invite him into the house? This is very odd. He was very angry. I could see that. So um, he, he then leaves and, um, and so we go to bed. And uh, around about four o'clock in the morning, we sort of hear the the, the back door sort of break open and, um, you know, sort of we hear rustling sounds and I hear the steps, you know, hear his footsteps coming up up the stairs. And it's a very small little uh, in, in England here. I think it's a little bit different than it is in Australia, but we have we have terraced houses here, they're quite small. So there's literally only one way in and one way out. So he comes in and um, the door is kicked open, I'm absolutely fast asleep. It's four o'clock in the morning. The moon is shining. And all I see is the glinting of this, uh, this six inch blade, a, uh, you know, basically a massive, very large bread knife, very thick. And um, it is true, all you do is you focus on that bread knife and everything else literally pales into significance. So I was just watching this bread knife all the time. And, you know, I don't want to upset your, your listeners, but he is, it's kind of a bit like a film. It was a, he wanted to, to make us suffer. And so he sat down on the bed and said, oh, look at you two lovebirds together. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to 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 make you sort of pay for this, and let's try the blunt end first. So at that point, I knew things were going to be, you know, quite quite terrifying for us both. Um, and without me wanting to sort of, you know, put put your 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 listeners into too much detail, um, you know, he put us through an ordeal of a lot of, you know, torch stabbing, uh, stabbing, you know, Darna in the in the arm, and um, you know, he stabbed me as well. Um, he, he he then stabbed me in the leg we we tried to plead with him and we said look you know leave now it's all fine we're not going to tell the police it's it's funny I'm sure a lot of your listeners would do the same you literally at that point you're pleading with your life you you have flashbacks of I mean I was thinking at the time of, of of my parents being near the coffin and the coffin going down it's very funny when something like this happens not funny but it's you know how your brain does operate um and um I just saw my coffin being lowered and my family next to me I knew there was no way out I was against uh, a wall there was no way past him um and literally your whole heart does sink into your stomach so it is it is pure terror there's no there's no doubt and uh, yeah, and so that's really absolutely terrifying so so literally i was just thinking like i'm sure many people in that situation do you're thinking right when is my chance can i can i possibly survive this um how much how much blood am i going to lose um how many more stabs to my legs can i take um so at that point i was completely back against the wall and um luckily um as he got up um he he did say he said i said look you can leave now we will not tell the police and at that point he said he's gone i've gone too far he literally had his eyes had completely defocused he was like a shark he had he, he had lost all sense of being a human being And he, I could see, wanted to kill me. So, you know, kill both of us. So at that point he said, I'm going to slit your throat and she's going to watch you die. So I really did think at that point, well, there is no way back after this. So literally, um, luckily, we're talking a split second. He thought he'd taken my phone downstairs. And he hadn't actually taken her phone, and uh, because we had similar phones, and luckily she dialed 999 on on her bedside table on on her phone. So the police picked up, and at that point, he literally lost that that focus of, of, uh, of pure determination to kill us. And it then went to determination to get the phone and to save himself from, obviously, you know, I suppose, being arrested. So he goes and he, he tries to get the phone from her. And, and incredibly, she saved my life. She jumped across the bed, incredibly courageous. It's not always the man that is the, uh, the victor and, and, and the, the strong person in these situations. She, without her, her being totally selfless and screaming, and she started screaming, we're being murdered. She jumped across the bed and he, he went to follow her down, down the stairs. So, um, and literally, you know, he, he ran out after her. Um, I had to sort of deal with the issue as a man. What do I do? Do I chase down there? Do I do I protect her? You know, I'll be frank with you, I was totally naked at the time. I was bleeding heavily. All I thought was closed the door, which I did, I locked the door, and I just hoped that she'd escaped um, mm-hmm. as she had down the road, and um, he came back, luckily he did come back after me, so I knew he'd, he'd left her alone, and um, I had to jump out of a window and, and sort of, I, I landed on the rooftops, and with, with pure adrenaline, I literally jumped across you know four rooftops and uh, luckily the neighbor had uh, their window open and I I just threw myself into their bathroom window um, stark naked, which was, you know, again, all these things go around your head. It, it's, it's not something that any of us think we're going to get into the situation, but it happens. Um, and um, luckily, the two, the you know, the couple that was there, um, you know, I'm I'm saying, look, you know, I've been stabbed. Please call the police. And luckily, you know, they did get uh, sort of tourniquets, they got towels, and they 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 started to sort of uh, you know try and stem stem the blood loss at that time so that was kind of really the story i hope i haven't gone you know sandy too you know too much but it is the story so i felt it you know is worth telling you the whole story
0: i think it's good uh, that you have been really transparent and uh, what i will do is i will put a caution at the beginning of this episode to yes. um, just let people know that they may be triggered by some of the things that in the retelling of your story I agree Uh, even for me um, there were some very strong parallels with my own experience because my abusive ex-partner was a stalker and I had a very similar experience where um, we weren't together and I met somebody who was just a nice guy and There wasn't anything even happening at that stage. We were just getting to know each other and we went on a walk and uh, I had exactly that same sense that I was being watched. You get this, you know, this sixth sense that's happening where you can actually feel it. And, um, And I did see him. And at that time, I already had a court order in place where he was not allowed to you know, come anywhere near me. And um, this poor guy who was only just getting to know me ended up in this drama where we had to go to the police station and report this incident, um, which was a clear breach to the intervention order. And um, this is the retelling of your story and what happened to you as mind-blowingly um, just, you just think, how can this possibly happen? Mm-hmm. It, Absolutely. it actually does happen quite a bit and um we don't always hear about, about it, but I think this is a cautionary story that you're retelling in, in, yes. in your experience mm. as to what can happen when somebody escapes a cycle of abuse but has not really managed to get their abusive ex-partner out of their life they're not actually free yet to be living their own life the way that they would like to live their life they're not free yet to be making their own choices to be moving forward in their life with doing something like they should be free yeah they should should be free free, they should be free but that abusive person still has this terrible hold on them and Absolutely. a claim on them. And which means that if they get into another relationship, that it's very, very dangerous, as you have described in what happened to you. And that was certainly true for me and my own experience too, because. After that, it, it's like uh, before that I had not thought that my uh, abusive ex-partner was capable of physically harming me to that point, you know. Yes. Before that, he had um, pinned me down in an argument and mm-hmm. um, he, he'd done things which I won't go into detail about now. But, right, right. Um, he had never bashed me. So in my mind, I thought he wasn't capable of crossing that line.
1: Did you feel sorry for him, Sandy, at all?
0: Absolutely.
1: Yes, I did. I felt sorry for him, even though he was stabbing me, I knew he was very ill. Yes. So I, it was very strange, because when I went to the police, and I went to the CID headquarters, and they said, You're so lucky to be alive today. And I remember saying to to him, I said, he said, you know, gosh, you know, it's terrible what he's done to you. And I said, I don't actually feel that. And they said, why? Why are you so calm about it? I said, I understand his pain. And I understand for someone to have disassociated so much, it wasn't normal. He must have had so much pain of the loss of his relationship that... I understood. And I'm not saying everyone should do that. But I do feel that my understanding of his pain helped me with my own dealings with with, with recovery. Absolutely. And I I definitely think I think it was that almost instantly. I thought, well, you know, can I imagine if I was with a, a woman for 26 years, and I'm outside the house, and I see someone a younger man with what i thought was my life partner how would i feel so once i'd kind of understood his pain i don't think i i felt the victim i think that's probably what 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 really did help me
0: yeah well let's talk about that what happened mm. on the other side yeah. of it, what your recovery looked like because um, what you went through could have really damaged you with long-term PTSD. And um, from the little that I do know of you and and that conversation that we've had, I think that you have had a different experience and I'd really um, appreciate if you could share what your experience was after Mm. this terrible, terrifying incident happened to you.
1: Well, um, while I was in the ambulance, um, we we were you know there was actually quite a bit more to that story. It didn't it didn't end as as well as I'd kind of finished a bit previously. Um, I. I was very agitated I was bleeding heavily and I was on the stairs of, of this neighbor's house um, they bandaged my legs and um, I, I was in a pool of blood and at that point because I had lost quite a bit of blood I started um, you know I'm getting very graphic here but you start retching you literally you you've done this this fight or flight you've jumped across some rooftops you've thrown yourself into a window you've been bleeding heavily in both of your legs and you I, I was kind cut on my arm as well. I had defensive wounds where I'd tried to cut my watch off and stuff like that. So um, at that point, I literally just sat in a ball and I started retching on their stairs. So he, the the uh, the neighbour had opened the door, and he started looking out, at which point, obviously, I've just been fighting for my life. I didn't want him opening that door because mm. I felt my attacker was going to come mm. through that door again and finish mm. me off. So I use some choice words. I think we all know, you know, in mm. Australia, I think you still have the, the same sort of words at beginning with F and, and, you know, I said F shut that door. He's out there and, you know, he's going to kill me. So mm. at that point I frightened the neighbor. So he says, look, we don't know you at all from anyone get out so i was actually pushed back out onto the street and that's kind of was was even probably worse than the initial attack because i thought i was in a sanctuary And then I'm right back out onto the street on the front of the street where the man who's attacked me is. So I end, you know, I end up running down the road, knocking on bed and breakfast, um, you know, trying to get help. And I just think, right, I've got to get off this road because if he's in the car, he's going to kill me. You know, I've I've got nothing to defend myself. So luckily, I managed to to wave a car down and it was an off duty. uh, um, It was an army. I think it was an army sergeant actually was there. And uh, he had a belt. He, he'd done first aid. And um, the funny, it is, it is kind of, it's kind of ludicrously funny in some ways. When people are, I'm, I'm sure other people will tell you this as well. Um, as much as you're fighting for your life, you get the strange human intricacies as well. So he says, "Are you joking to me?" He says, "Are you kidding? Are you having me on?" So I'm there with my, both of my legs sort of stabbed, and I'm going, "No, I'm not joking. This isn't a joke." I am um, you know bleeding to death i need some assistance so so those things are strange and you have to sort of you're mm-hmm. comprehending these as they're they're coming these things so luckily i, I get the belt and he puts a belt around both of my legs and then at that point i i i feel that you know i've got a chance to survive so he flags down a car we go to the um uh, we managed to get a, an ambulance, which uh, which uh, is called. And uh, luckily, when we arrive at the hospital, I see that uh, there's a second ambulance and, um, you know, uh, Darna is there and, and she she's also in the hospital. So at that point, I am relieved. So it goes from, you know, what's happening to her is has she been stabbed? I have no idea what's happened to her before we mm-hmm. sort of meet up in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I know that we both are OK. So now your brain naturally moves on it now you know it tries to assimilate and understand what has just happened to you so um, after i had the stitches and you know there's a lot of blood and everything in the in the uh accident emergency i had had police escort as well armed police came out and they they came outside the building because they thought he was possibly going to come and try and you know finish the job off um we you know once i was in there i felt i was safe and that's when this sort of healing began and and then after that I was I obviously went to CID had the interview and at that point I could try and put down everything I could to try and and at the best I could do is now try and get some, uh, some justice for what happened. So, you know, making sure that I got the statement correctly, making sure that everything was in place to, to try and and hopefully prosecute him for what, for what he had done. Mm-hmm. So your, your brain is moving very quickly. It's moving mm-hmm. from survival. It's, it's moving from survival to how is your partner from, how is your partner to, I want some justice. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it literally moves very, very quickly you know throughout that whole program and it is overwhelming and i think that's that probably is what a lot of people are you know uh, really do struggle with so after that um i uh, I got home my leg was black and blue it went so I was stabbed he literally plunged it into my knee so my leg was black and blue from the knee all the way up to the groin I mean literally the shock of the you know the mm-hmm. the injury went up the whole leg so you know my parents were shocked you have to you you try and minimize that you you know when I called from the hospital you're trying to minimize that nothing really has happened to you even though you know that you've been close to death so I'm fine don't worry about About me but uh, as soon as you see your your mother you know you have that immediate outpouring that that natural those tears come out Mm. and uh, you know you understand that literally you were i would say seconds from from death and Mm. and that hits you and that's when that hits you it is like a sledgehammer it really hits you and it hits you hard so over those sort of few days you really are trying your brain is trying to do the best it can and really trying to to understand what what's happened to you but you know you've got out of the situation so even though you've got this pain you've got this amazing almost triumphalism where where you you feel that that you have you have survived so Mm -hmm. you know how amazing is that you know a lot of people don't survive so you know I remember the CID man saying you are very lucky you should be in there and there was a, there was a cemetery opposite where I I had uh, you know opposite where I was being interviewed so uh, you know and I saw I saw the the gravestones and you know you didn't need anything more more sharp to see that um you know you were that close to, to dying and he said a few people had died in that village you know within that year with knife knife uh you know stabbing so um yeah, so you've got this weird feeling. You've got this amazing joy of life that you're still alive, but you've also got this what has happened to me. Um, the fear has hit you and you never felt that fear before. So you're trying to deal with that and understand and put that into some place. So I I think I probably, Sandy, I started feeling better when I I'd lost my phone and and I I really do believe that um, he'd stolen my phone. And so I kind of felt like he'd taken my life. So not only had he stabbed me, he'd kind of taken my, my contacts you know so he'd taken my contacts my business contacts and so so my future was being disrupted by him that's how I kind of felt and it seems crazy I'd almost died but I felt like you know he'd 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 got something bigger than even you know the stabbing me was it sounds crazy but that's how you feel at the time so um I at that point I thought right I really want to you know get my phone back so luckily you know thank god I had an apple iPhone, and I did find my phone, and we tracked the phone down. So for the next few days, even though I was injured and sort of limping around on my legs, we got in the car, we did something positive, we went out there, we drove out and and amazingly, I found the phone that had been tossed from him from a bridge. It had sort of landed in some nettles. It was in an old tire filled with water. We picked it out, heard my ringtone. And and from that moment, I know it sounds so ridiculous and it sounds so trite, but from that moment, it really was like, okay, you know, I can still recover. You know, I've got my business. I can get on, you know, I've got some stitches, but you know, this is not the end of me. I can move on past this. Yeah,
0: I, I, I'm a very spiritual person, so when you tell me something like that, it seems nothing short of miraculous that you no, agree. that you would find your phone after that, and that it would twenty be, miles
1: away as well. That it be returned to you. Yeah.
0: Uh, so it's. Uh, the whole your whole story is absolutely extraordinary. I have a question to ask about um, the perpetrator. Did the police catch up with him by that point?
1: Um- they caught up with him. I wasn't told, but I, I think they caught up with him him pretty quickly. He'd gone to his um, he'd gone to his daughter's house, and on that way, he'd obviously thrown the phone um, out of out of the window of his car. Um, and they did catch up with him at his daughter's house. They arrested him, and uh, you know, so once once you know, I think I got a phone call to say you know he wasn't there hunting me. You know that that of course you're right. I had all that going around in my head. I. I negated that I thought he could come and attack me so at all that time he wasn't arrested yes yeah, so I was I was worrying thinking is he going to come and, and finish the job off so until you know I got that call of course I, I certainly you know I, I I always had in the back of my head you know where shall I go could he come back so I, I was scared I mean the, the night after that- yeah I was just going to say
0: that's a very real concern for victims. And quite often, um, it takes the law, it takes a long time for justice to catch up uh, with, to give victims the protection that they need. Victims can be left very vulnerable after they've gone through something because. Justice has not managed to catch up with the perpetrator yet and hold them accountable for the things that they've done. So this is one of those layers, I think, that goes on to victims where um, those if it's not dealt with quickly and they're left feeling open and vulnerable, which can be the case in um, less severe cases than your own. Um, where a victim is just left in a state of perpetual fear.
1: Yes, I can understand that. I really can. I mean, I was even thinking after when I was actually in in the ambulance, thinking, actually, how am I going to deal with this, knowing that this man has tried to do this to me? And even if he goes inside for a few years, what's to stop him when he comes out wanting to finish the job? I thought, you know, Maybe, you know, I'm always going to be marked as, as you know, as is going to be his his, you know, intention, his victim, basically. So I, I I quickly dispelled that. And I thought, well, you know, am I going to live my life in fear? um And I know I'm saying this as a man, and I know women don't think this way, but actually I thought I would love to see him next time. And next time I'll be prepared. (laughs) So I know this was a more of a man thing. I actually changed that role reversal instead of being hiding, I wanted a chance to confront my attacker mm. so for me as a man I understand you know as a female that is going to be very difficult to do but as a man I felt like actually I would like that to happen but so once I I'd, I'd changed the role reversals and I became the alpha male again I suppose he would no longer you know I didn't care about him leaving and you know possibly trying to attack me again I'd, I'd taken control over my own you know destiny in some some respects.
0: I think you've hit the nail on the head when it really is something that's sort of symbolic of uh, redressing the balance of power yes and um my experience with that is slightly different and the way that i started to redress the imbalance of power was by involving the authorities and holding my perpetrator my ex-partner accountable for the things that he was doing before I took that step it was I was just an easy target and it didn't stop me from being a target to get the authorities involved but what it did do is it just made there were times where you know i he would approach the place that i was living in and i would pick up the phone and he knew that i was calling the police and he'd turn around and hightail out of there so anytime that he saw that i was gaining any evidence to hold him accountable he'd leave so if he could get away with anything um without where he was under the radar, that's what he'd continue to do. But if there was any time where um, he could see that I was being proactive and taking some action, then he would, um, he'd hightail out of there and, um, and give me some respite from the things that were happening. So... I think, um, Sandy,
1: you've had a, a, a more emotionally... Uh, traumatizing event in many ways than i did um because you're dealing with the mental games mm-hmm. i didn't have to deal mm-hmm. with those yeah. so i literally was attacked by someone i didn't know very well um you're you were attacked by someone you did know well and that it, i would say is a lot harder i would say you you certainly have will have gone through a lot um I said emotional roller coaster than I did because I was attacked I had to deal with that attack and I I I did I was quite I was able to move on I was robust to move on I think in in your own relationship I think especially when you've given um you've given yourself to someone and you're in that sort of trust and you've shared trust with each other and I think that person betrays that trust now that is a different level altogether and I think you know it would be unfair for me to sort of say that that my experiences were were similar to how women have uh been abused in their own relationships I think I think you know I've been attacked yes but I don't think it's the it's the traumatic um emotional abuse and the wearing down of someone yes. that, that being stalked really you yeah. know does does obviously um you know in insta- you know instilling someone the fear and that that is completely different level would you agree there sandy absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah
0: absolutely it's that coercive control um the psychological manipulation that goes on the gaslighting yes all of those things which really
1: undermining taking your I was going to use that exact word
0: it. which undermines undermine you and your judgment uh
1: calling you crazy you know yeah. it's your fault it's yeah exactly and and I think that for me to deal with that it would frustrate me a lot more so I I told you know I, I my heart goes out obviously to to you it really does genuinely I send you a big hug I mean it, a big proper James hug on this and, Thanks, and all, obviously all, all the other other women out there that have to deal with you know emotional abuse it is um it, it, we don't understand everyone's pain it's all completely different and everyone's experiences are different so but yes I think uh, being stalked is probably and and being undermined in your relationship and and being abused in a relationship is probably one of the hardest things to get over and I mean that is it that is tough and and I I don't try and share that that level with you you at all I'm
0: I'm now I'm getting close to think seven years on um and And I've done so much healing in that time. But if you would have spoken to me seven years ago, I'd be unrecognisable to you because I was just devastated. I was in such a traumatised state at that time. I was completely defensive my nervous system was absolutely shot there's a lot of um healing that has needed to happen and time has been have you changed as a
1: person
0: i think i have um stepped back into who i truly am i think that i lost myself completely in that relationship yeah. so I think recovery when you talk about recovery I think I've recovered me and I think that that's what happens with women in abusive relationships is when they get onto that recovery path they have a chance of recovering themselves again because yeah you do yes. lose yourself in in that abusive situation
1: I've chatted to you a couple of times and I already see a very strong woman and I see that you've used that and you have built upon it. And, and I would like to think I did that myself. I it wasn't, I'm certainly saying it's certainly not in the level that, you know, that you've had in an in a abusive relationship, but I do feel that the strength that I have, and I have changed, I would say I have changed as a person um, I would say I probably matured a little bit, and maybe even lightened up a little bit. You know, things like that returns and things like that don't seem to bother me as much. So, so you know, you you do reprioritize, and and I do think there's a a future, and that's what I I would love if you know if there was a, a lasting message of this this sort of podcast. Uh, there there is definitely a future, and and probably a better future more often once you've gone through this. You may not see it at the time. You're you know you are depressed you know you will want to have those duvet days you will just roll over and say you know life is pretty awful and it's raining outside and it's windy but within a few months maybe even it takes you a few years you will come out of that and you will actually really I know it sounds a lot of people are probably going to say James you're talking absolute deep you know but I would say that you really will look back on it and actually say that was a defining moment that changed my life to progress to the next level. And that could be with business. It could be I I feel it changed my life in multiple ways. I mean, I would say now I'm a much happier person. I'm not driven by, you know, the little small things don't seem to worry me as much. That day that I survived and I went to that beach and I'd found my phone. I remember it almost being, you know, quite, quite, um, and I'm not really a a spiritual person, but, but quite, I would say celestial in a way where light and color is far richer. Um, The smells are are pungent and fantastic. And you look at the the world and you look at the sky being very blue and you think, yes, I've got tomorrow. I've got the future. I can move on. I can reinvent myself. And when you do that, your life's going to be fantastic. And I do think a lot of, uh, you know, I hope, if, if anything the whole point of this podcast some women can take that and say yeah can move on let's go and grab life by the uh can we say balls here or not are we allowed to <laughs> yeah grab life by the balls <laughs> i've just said it you'll have to edit that out there Sandy. no
0: no i'll live oh, in it
1: <laughs> oh excellent fantastic <laughs> Was <laughs> i was gonna say i was just yeah. thinking two words
0: in what you were talking yeah. about one is alive and the other is awake and i think that there's an opportunity in going through this and coming out the other side of it is yeah. that the when you asked if i changed i think um i i can reflect that for uh many times or a a big part of my life i could say that i was a victim of circumstance so i guess that means that i was not designing my own life i was not creating the life that i wanted i was going with everybody else's flow and i think that these sorts of things allow us the opportunity to wake up (laughs) and see that we actually have the ability to take our life in another direction that we have, that we have choices. And the other thing I really love that you said is it helped you to lighten up and because you can take life really seriously, but at the end of the day we're just sort of weighing ourselves down by yeah holding on to the seriousness of everything and of yeah
1: course. yeah I know learning going to laugh to be con- again this is, is going to be really controversial and you know, people will say and you know i would if, if i heard someone like me saying this i'd <laughs> say what a load of american claptrap okay but i promise you it's true i i now feel very thankful i know this sounds very controversial i'm very thankful that that event happened to me i feel i would not be half the man i am today without that trial and i was lucky i survived and i'm not not trying to minimize it there's going to be people that don't survive those attacks but if you can survive that attack you literally can go on you can reform yourself you can change your life you can re-energize yourself but you just have to want to leave that victim in the past where it belongs the past is over the future is yet to come but the present is all we have so if you can mm-hmm. live in the present you really will get your, yourself through the, these times but it's it's not going to be easy but you you know it, that's everything that's that's worth um fighting for comes you know with a little bit of effort so you know really stick in there and uh you know, keep pushing, always keep pushing. And, uh, you know, you will find that happiness. I know, I'm very, very sure.
0: That's brilliant. And I have this niggling question that um, the listeners may also have, but what then uh, became of your partner at that time? How was her recovery after
1: she found it uh a lot harder again what I was saying to you Sandy because it was her relationship so Mm. so really it was it was her ex-partner that did these things so she found it much harder and she she was in depression for probably two to three years after that and um you know I don't think it's something you ever get over I don't think it is something you get over you can rebuild that's what I'm trying to say I'm not saying you get over it but you you always remember it it will always be there but it's how you develop and how you push that into into the new year um, but um yeah she found it very difficult and and um you know she had to go on antidepressants for a long while um, i was on antidepressants for about a year then i came came off those um, you know it did change my behavior for that year after i was quite erratic um, you know i'll be frank i was quite promiscuous i literally wanted to suck every drop out of life so um you will find that you, you you know your character changes and what it's trying to do is it's trying to work out how to heal itself yeah. so that may be you may drink a little extra you may may decide to have sex a little extra you know you may take on all these things uh and then you you work it out you work it out within a year or two this isn't really helping me now i'm i'm actually damaging myself in another way and but you're working through it and i think um once i'd come off the antidepressants i did find i did find they helped me and i i am someone that doesn't you know i do do actually believe that um, certain antidepressants do give you that little bit of just traction to get back from a very, very dark place where, you know, Mm. I I will be frank with you, I was thinking suicidal thoughts, Um, you know, I, I couldn't see a future whatsoever. And so it takes you from that zero point to at least carrying you through to a point where you think, okay, let's take a day at a time. Okay, I'm not going to do a lot. Maybe I'll just get out of bed today. Maybe, maybe the next day I just decide to to maybe go and play that game of tennis or something. So, you know, you 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 take yourself a day at a time and a week at a time, and before you know it, you know, you look back and and now I'm astonished at how far I've come without even knowing it. You don't even know you're doing the journey, but you do it. And um that's why I, you know, I, I have a lot of hope in, in the people that you're trying to help. I think you're doing a fantastic job, Sandy. I'm um, uh, hats off to you. You're doing a brilliant job. If you can help uh, anyone with uh, domestic abuse and, uh, and stalking,
0: yeah. mm. Thank you so much for that, James. I, it's just incredible that I have this opportunity to have conversations with people like yourself before doing this podcast, I was a victim who was a survivor who had really no outlet to have these kinds of very meaningful conversations with fellow victims and survivors of domestic abuse. And um, this has been really such a privilege for me to be able to make these kinds of really meaningful connections with people if I had not decided to do this crazy thing and start a podcast (laughs) I I wouldn't have had that opportunity so I see it as being a, a real gift to myself and I'm very grateful if it is doing its job and helping somebody someone else who really needs that help and support. exactly
1: you did exactly what we were talking about you took something very negative and you're now helping hopefully thousands of people from that experience and if that's all we can do as humans with our pathetic little lives we have on earth for the, uh, a span of around about 70 years yeah. well so be it that's pretty good isn't it you yeah, should be absolutely. Positive, really happy with that. Yeah, excellent.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. So normally I would ask a question, uh, which if I ask you.
1: It's... I'll be really fire, interested to know. Fire away, fire <laughs> away anything. I'm honestly there's nothing out of bounds with me. I'm, I'm, I'm such an exhibitionist, you can tell, you know. I'm, <laughs> I'm not I'm not backward at coming forward, am I? All right. So
0: because this podcast is called Tiara's Tears and Triumphs, what does
1: this title mean to you? <laughs> oh what does it mean to me well well look well luckily for me as a bisexual I I, I can take it two ways can't I you know I mean yeah. so I, I what it what I sort of uh, I remembered that documentary with uh with Elton John actually and uh that that brought that to mind but uh other than that I I just think yeah it, it's good it's it's what it is I'm a man but if I can you know is this is cross-gender you know so so obviously something like this i no i don't have those experiences with the the relationship and and i think those issues are going to be far far deeper in, in many many women than than i've experienced but i think the shared experience of overcoming and someone attacking you I think is 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 shared and it it, again it it cross it crosses genders you know it doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman that same fear you know is in all of us and and it's how we we overcome that fear and we move on and we we literally reshape what has been very negative and we reshape that into something really positive to move on with yeah that's all I think about uh, but I love I love your title I think it's fantastic that's the short answer
0: Thanks so much, James. I just want to say a big thank you for coming onto the podcast and for being yourself and, and sharing your story. Thank you.
1: Fantastic. Thank you very much there, Sandy. I've enjoyed it.
0: Before I go, I just want to leave you with the top tips for today's episode, which there were many. I know that it was a difficult episode to listen to in terms of the terrible ordeal that James went through and that his partner at that time went through as well. If you managed to listen to the whole episode, you would have seen that there was a lot of light. On the other side of that incident um, for James in his life. He certainly um, had his struggles as he tried to piece his life back together and make sense of things after what he went through but uh, he has shown how this experience has actually made him a better person. A better version of himself, if you like. Uh, I'm very, very grateful to James for coming onto the podcast to have this conversation with me and talk so openly about such a life changing experience. Um, so yeah, very, very grateful to him. But anyway, there were quite a few takeaways from this episode and, and some of those takeaways are cautionary and I'll just run through those now. Number one, when a victim breaks free from a cycle of abuse, they do not know yet if they have broken free to a point where they can go about living their life without worrying about further incidents. Time will tell. Number two, the time that victims break free from an abusive relationship and for the foreseeable future can often be the most dangerous time. And it is important to understand just how important it is to be linked to the right sort of support services at this time in the event that things escalate. So number three, the support services that a victim should be aware of and have an easy access contact list for are things like emergency service number, so whatever that is for you in your country. Also a number for a domestic abuse refuge service in case you need to go into hiding and a number for any free domestic abuse counselling service that's in your country. Um, These are your top priorities to help you to stay safe and get connected to the right support services to assist you. The reason I've put that counselling number in there is because not only can those counsellors help you to just unpack some of what is happening in your life but they actually are trained to know particular services that might assist you with your situation so they're a great point of contact if you don't know where else to turn okay number four many abusive partners are also jealous and that is why they will often have an attitude of If they can't have you then no one else can. This is what makes new relationships some of the most dangerous times for victims of abuse. So this is a time where victims need to really be on alert, on high alert to see whether there are signs of their ex-partner coming back up and wanting to confront them about this new relationship. It's a very, very dangerous time. All right, number five, you never know how you are going to react in a crisis, like that of what James experienced, where a jealous partner turns up and becomes abusive to both yourself and your new partner if you are in a new relationship this is why it is so important to have a safety plan in place so that you have something to fall back on if you freeze in that moment so as James illustrated you never know how you're going to respond in these situations so that's why it's really good to have a plan of escape and know your steps if you ever get in a situation where you need to use that. Okay, number six, even if you are not in a new relationship and your ex-partner who is abusive thinks that you are seeing someone else, this can be equally as dangerous as if you are in a new relationship. So again, any signs that your ex-partner might be showing signs of jealousy and accusing you of being seeing somebody or being in a relationship with somebody these are also times to be really super vigilant and be on your guard okay number seven just remember that jealousy can drive people to do crazy things Number eight, this cautionary tale emphasizes why it is so important never to let an abusive ex-partner back into your personal space and why it is so important to create safe non-negotiable boundaries like a personal protection court order. You have a right, an absolute right to feel safe and be safe in your own home. Number nine, There is a gap in time between when an incident happens and the time the authorities catch up with the perpetrators a lot of the time. This is the time to be on high alert, especially if you are back home, which is a familiar place to the perpetrator. Number 10, and then there is also a time of uncertainty after a perpetrator has served time where a victim is in a state of fear, not knowing whether the perpetrator may come after them again. So again, be on your guard and make sure that you've got your safety plan and that you are doing all the right things to help you stay safe when you are either in your home or out and about in the community. All right, number 11, when you break free from a cycle of abuse and you really invest yourself in your recovery, you can recover A wiser version of the person you lost which is yourself in the relationship so you can actually grow tremendously from the experiences that you've been through and that is the light at the end of the tunnel that's the thing that you can take away because you'll have lots of rich life lessons that you will have learned from that experience and it will help to really Bring into laser focus the things that are priorities in your life and that really is, I'll continue on with this point to the next point which is very similar in saying that James illustrated how adversity can help you go to the next level in your life and help you get more focused on what's truly important and allow you to let go of the unimportant stuff. Okay so the last point on the other side of adversity lies the opportunity to live a life that is aligned with the things that are most important to you. So those last three points really really come together as being very much the same but I don't think that it can be said enough because This is the light at the end of your tunnel and this is a great reason to engage with your recovery and some of that recovery is not going to be easy and some of that recovery you won't want to engage in but when you do, you keep moving your life back into the light again. So I encourage you to if you are in an abusive relationship please reach out and get support please do not go through the things that you're going through on your own um, if you are being abused then you need to get support to help you with your situation there are many supports out there and i am certainly happy to help you and talk to you about what's going on and help to point you in the right direction. If those places that I have directed you to, if you're not sure about that, okay, because your safety, and I will say it over and over again, your safety is the most important thing to consider. Everything else is figure outable, okay, and you can and you will figure things out, but you must please make sure that you take care of your safety and on that note i'm gonna love you and leave you and i'll see you back here for another episode next week we all go through dark times when we do we often feel alone this is a safe space for you to come and look for some light i'm a survivor of an abusive relationship And for a long time, I had no voice because I was too scared to speak up and speak out about what was happening to me. I couldn't see a light at the end of the tunnel. But when I turned a corner in my life, the light started filtering through and I left my old life behind. with some form of counselling. If you don't know where to start to find a counsellor, a good place to start is to talk with your doctor. There are also many online counselling supports available. And a word of advice, if the counsellor is not a good fit for you, try another. And if you need to, try another until you have one that is the right fit for you. Tune in again for the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs podcast, helping women who have been hurt to heal and grow, hosted by me, Sandy J. This program provides a safe place to work on inner peace and a strong mindset, spells out how to spot the red flags, Advises on ways to stay safe and work on effective safety planning. Gives tips on how to look after you when things are tough. Teaches empowerment strategies. Acknowledges life's challenges and explores ways to meet these challenges head on. To go from surviving, to rising, to striving and finally to thriving. The show includes interviews with other survivors who have come out the other side, who share their stories and insights, as well as interviews with therapists and people working in support roles. I am a survivor and I use my experience and skills to help other women like me. Please listen I am a life change facilitator. I help women regain control over their lives. You can find me at sandyj.com.au. Hey now, can you just pause a moment before you go? Because I need you to share your light and leave a review. Can you just take a quick minute to leave a review in iTunes to let other women know this is a show they can trust? It would mean the world to me if you could help shine a light for someone who can't see the light at the end of their tunnel. I need you to do this for someone else who needs some support and encouragement. If you like this show Stay safe, Sandy.